careful. That's the last one. What is it? The cure. If you take it before you feed, you'll turn back into your old self. Now would be the time for any questions. Do you guys kill people? Indiscriminately. Innocent people? I'd say it's like 80-20. You know, we try to target the trolls, the privileged and their apathetic trust fund kids, but we're not a movement. We're a terrorist organization at best. So you were gonna kill me? Yes. Why? People you're attracted to taste better? I don't want to kill people. Too bad. Knock it off. The world's a meat grinder, kid. Especially if you're a woman. I don't think you need a PowerPoint presentation to know that one's true. We're politically, socially, and mythologically fucked. Our roles are secondary. Our bodies suspect, alien, other. We're made to be monstrous, so let's be monsters. Let's be gods. What we offer here is not the chance to join a group, but the chance to truly be an individual. That's the pitch. And you have a premiere in two days at the uh, the Chinese theater, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. For for Outfest, and what uh, what time is it gonna uh, does the premiere start? Um, it is at uh, I think it's nine forty five. Um, I think it's our our uh, allotted uh, our scheduled time. Um, so are you are you ready to films? Or are you opening or closing the <laughs> Outfest? Um, I think I think we're we're at the we're at the uh, at near the end of the, of the festival. Okay. Uh, and how did how did a bit come about? What was the what was the seed that kind of, that grew this uh, this interesting film? I wanted to make kind of like um, I, forgive me, but uh, without 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 I think everybody knows what I mean when I say that most sort of R-rated genre films are kind of coded or geared for like teenage boys. Not that teenage girls don't like them too, but they they seem to have an aim for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I just wanted to find out and kind of inhabit a different sort of space and try to make something like what what is an R-rated movie, R-rated genre film geared toward young girls look like? Mm-hmm. Um, to give them a sort of like, I, I, this is sort of like my evil gem in the holograms, I guess. <laughs> you wanted something sparkly vampires and like blood yeah, kind of thing. something something fun, something uh. But not, but not pandering or, or shying away from sort of lurid activities, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a in the YA uh, genre, but to see where, where the darker elements can go without without, without mocking the stuff that, that they like, you know. Mm-hmm. What was your writing process like for that when you when you had that idea? How did you flesh it out? Well, I kind of there's an, there's an element sort of at the core of it that that is obviously not a space I occupy. And I from the very get go, I did, I thought I want to make a genre film with with a lead who is trans. It's very important to me, played by a trans person, 
that the movie isn't about them being transgender. And so that took the most amount of research because the skeleton of the story popped in my head pretty quickly. You know, it was fun to write Duke. It was fun to write this other stuff, but really just kind of doing the research and talking to the people around me to kind of gauge whether I'm walking this line correctly because at the moment, and I've said this to some other people, but the moment you do anything like that when you're coming to my position, you're kind of taking on a debt. Yeah, you can't really take the, you can't really get rid of that debt because, uh, but you can do your best to listen, pander. I, I, it's hard, to, it's hard to talk about that, but um, it, it really was just everybody deserves their own sexy genre films, you know. And I just wanted to do that because it felt like there was a real uh, slow pace in the industry. You know, they'll make the second and third lead trans, but they don't have the guts to just go like here's your trans lead. I mean, you can make a heist film and have the lead be trans. You can make um, the slasher film have the lead be trans. It doesn't have to be, you know, about some sort of uh, trans struggle. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, when I wrote the character, I didn't want it to be a character neutral quality because everybody is sort of bouncing off the world based upon who they are, how the world reacts to them. So it couldn't be just she's just trans and there's no... No identity at all involved with that. I, there, was, there was definitely elements I wanted to explore just as a writer to write people. That's probably my – the number one thing I like to do is, is try to get in the, into the, the mindset of, of people who aren't me. I think that's, that's the biggest thing when you're, when you're writing for, for either a group of people or, or a person in particular and you don't know their struggle – but you also don't want to make the label itself the biggest deal, which is, I think it's something that Hollywood's kind of accidentally falling into is they want to do the representation, but they do the representation as the film. Like if your marketing point is just a person's identity, then what do I have to root for? <laughs> what is, yeah. wh- who are the characters? What is the actual plot? I don't care what the character is. I care about their journey. Uh, yeah, and I think that people are also interested in who care who people are, what their struggles are. I just think you you in this sort of I mean that's sort of the basis. Examining cultures and subcultures is the basis for many many great movies. I, I just think that in this particular case, I just wanted to break the seal on it doesn't always have to be that, and I'm not probably the person to tell that type of story anyway. So it's more about like. And I just really wanted to do something fun, like The Lost Boy, The Gem in the Heart. The, the scope of it is just to have a lot of fun and do, do something different than the, the other two movies I've done, which are much more like sort of somber and, and moody, you know? Mm-hmm. I saw a few uh, reviews for it uh, this past week, and it was interesting because they all kind of mentioned the same thing, that you're, that you're doing representation – but you're not doing it in a way where people are just going, ugh, that's all the movie's about. Or it's all about a, a group of man-hating uh, lesbian vampires. It's not that. It's, it's They're there because of the experiences they've had, not because they are this label and they are this thing. They are yeah. a group of people that are the sum of their experiences. Yeah, and I think that... Uh, I really don't care if there's a section of the population who already hates this film because I confront those people, you know? Um, <laughs> like, I, I, You're I, talking to a guy that's pretty conservative anyway, but 
I ha- I separate my my personal views from those my responsibility as a journalist. But even so, I'm not going to go. Oh, it's got these people in it. Fuck that film. Like, okay, let's see what it, let's see what. Well, it I'm is. talking more <laughs> about the people who are going to troll and attack face sight unseen. Right. Uh, that, yeah. that 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 I mean, they're sort of the enemy. Of I find a way to sort of lampoon them, and uh, and kind of go. Uh, go go in that direction. I, I don't I don't think though that if people watch this movie, they're going to get more bo- the feeling of the Lost Boys than they might think. I, I, the 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 misconception would be that this movie has like is a is like you said geared toward these these you know man hitting lesbian vampires. It's actually not that really at all. It's 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 really just kind of like a, a teenage fairy tale you know, power fantasy movie that, that fits right alongside things like Near Dark or The Lost Boys, you know? Yeah, and um, so many other groups have those power fantasies already. Why can't another group that's, that hardly gets representation at all, what's the problem with that? But yeah. there are people that just want that power of pissing you off because they can behind their keyboards. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about, the, the sort of keyboard warrior, uh, yeah. Reddit, Reddit troll ninjas who just want to like uh, and just want to tell on comment sections talking about why this is I mean I I kind of I kind of go after them in the film so I guess you know maybe they should hate it but um everyone is fair game for everything in in any form of media that's that's my take on it regardless of what side you're on you are you're, you can write and make whatever you want as long as no one's getting hurt by it physically. Yeah, and I think that it's, a, it's more of a challenge and more interesting if you're not punching down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, 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 it's a certain, certain types of comedy are starting to age out or become different because what used to be edgy is now just the standard. And the standard is now seeming like it's just a bunch of punch-down humor. And that, that, that can... I can make things rather stale. People get frustrated when you sort of remind them that, like, that's the, that's there are better goals, targets, objects, and there's also there's also just the plain old just don't take yourself so damn seriously, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, the, the idea that people want to identify so harshly in a group, like, oh, this movie doesn't like this, so therefore I am offended because I'm a part of that group. It's like, yeah, you're an individual. Chill, you know? Maybe 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 just ignore and go about your day. I'll drink drink some soda. Have a good time. Get off of Twitter. No kidding. Yeah, get out of whatever echo chamber you're in. You know. It, working working as long as I have in the entertainment industry, I've seen it on both sides, and I'm just kind of like I just divorced myself from the whole thing. I was like, I'm I'm leaving Hollywood. I'm going to Florida. I'm just gonna do everything I do here. So I don't have to be part of any of that. <laughs> well, I, I definitely got off of Twitter because I also found that there's definitely a feeling right now, both there's the there's a troll side and then there's a there's a feeling of trying to outrageous the person next to you. Mm-hmm. I can't understand it because the person on your side isn't always going to be a genius, but for right now they're on your side. You know, maybe maybe get to the other stuff later and maybe stop shouting everyone down for not having everything perfectly. Uh, but it, but it's almost it becomes so performative. Like this person's canceled because something they did in 1997 or 1997. It, it gets a little strange because it's like if you can't allow people to grow and change, then what's the point of any of it? 
Right, and entertainment used to be the way of bringing everybody together, regardless. And people that people that didn't like, I'm going to have to reach back way into the 90s for this, but people that, that weren't fans of the gay community still went went to see Birdcage, and they loved it. And because they forgot that it's that it's us versus them, they just went and they saw a movie they liked, and everybody had a laugh. And then we went back, and then we thought a little bit differently about each other. That's the way it should be. I mean, you know, there's there's something to be said for not for not holding anyone's hand when you feel like if their end goal is I don't feel you should exist this way, maybe mm-hmm. don't invite them to breakfast. You know, like I, I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm necessarily wanting to go back to a day where everybody has a separate table. I kind of like. I come from like, very much like a, a rock and roll idea where it's like, Mick Jagger didn't sit back and go, let's play nice. He's just like, nope, gonna do this in front of everybody and scare the shit out of you. Like I like that. <laughs> I, I really like gouging people, a little bit more. But I also feel like, if you don't want to be gouged, you don't have to. You don't have to really pay attention to it. You've got so many options. And yeah. I think if you really look at what you're angry about, it's probably having more to do with some sort of fear or insecurity. And it would probably do you a whole lot better to just kind of live and let live, you know? Um, boy, that was some hippie bullshit right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... It- it's like a thousand degrees where I am there because there's no there's no power and I just got back from a run to come back to my apartment thinking there was going to be an AC on and there was none and it's like 96 degrees outside and I I think my brain is actually boiling you know <laughs> I understand I, living in Florida I got to deal with it every day <laughs> yeah I mean it, you think you get some respite going into the into your head but it's just there's everything's broke, everything's warm in the fridge, it's like, son of a bitch, and the whole town is like that, like, like, the stores, you can't go buy anything right now, just power is gone, it's pretty weird. Man. Um, casting for, uh, for Bit, how did you go about uh, getting the people that you wanted that were perfect for the roles? Well, um, Nicole was sort of somebody we found through casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a bit of a challenge, not because there actually is a lot of talented trans um, actors out there, um, but what I was looking for in specific had to do mainly with are they do they could they look like they just graduated high school? And so there was some other there was a lot that it's like sort of in their mid to late twenties or early thirties mm-hmm. who are who are great, but but they they if I cast them say as an eighteen year old. Then I got a cast older to have to have that character have an older brother and to have older characters around them, and it becomes suddenly like that thing that always kind of makes me weirded out when you're watching a show ostensibly about teenagers, but everybody's 28. You know, I, the, I the 90210 re- factor. Yeah, I really wanted to avoid that. So N- Nicole, the first thing I noticed was like, oh, this is a young person. Then in my research, I'd come across her from her TED talks and books, and I'd actually read the book about her. I'm like, oh shit, this is the same. Nicole, I'd really like to, let's give her, like, let's give her a read. And first thing I did was I Skyped her, hit it off, and I just kind of knew, oh, yeah, this this is going to be great. I mean, this, this, she, she's just so charismatic. Um, she read for it, her read was great, and that was it. We just, and, um, it was, you know, she did a really good job, and it's a lot of pressure to go from having one 
a small role on a TV show, uh, Royal Pains at the time, to you're the lead of a film, and now you got to carry literally every scene. And she really, I mean, pressure is her middle name. Like, she can just handle it. And she's, you know, I, I mean, she's such a larger-than-life personality, too. It's, it's just, I mean, it was, I can't say enough good things about working with her and, and her performance. I'm just really happy. I mean, that was really, really fun. And, and so her casting was hard to find her, but once found, it was like butter after that. Uh, did did she really have a commanding presence on uh, when she was on uh, on set? Something that you just knew you just had that right person. Um, commanding. Pre- she just it, commanding is Diana. Diana is someone who. It's like if you took a gravity well and mixed it with a cat. It's like that's <laughs> Diana Hopper. Like, it's like I just she reminds me of Steve McQueen. Like she's just so fucking cool. No, Nicole is just a giant, fun, good. She's just a big personality. So it's it's less of a sort of like commanding thing and more of a like it just everybody just gets so happy when she's around. <laughs> but 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 she puts in the work too. She takes the work very seriously, and and is very committed to it. So she was it, it was just really easy to work with her because she was always down and she was always like um, uh, uh, happy to be there and making everybody else happy to be there too. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I would say that that was like, that was sort of her, her charisma was there and it just kind of, it was just kind of fun to, to, to be a part of that and witness it. And what about the rest of the cast? Well, Diane and I really, really, really wanted to do the movie. I'd written it for another actress who unfortunately was not able to do it, um, for, for family reasons. Mm-hmm. But after that, I was really dead set on Diana and, I met with her, and uh, the producer had, had run her name by me, and I remembered her from a show called Goliath, and I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, she would be great. So I, I just really, really was excited that she wanted to do it, and she was just, she just totally got the role, and she's, like I said, she's fucking cool. I mean, she's Duke, the character in the story, is my favorite character in the story, and probably my, probably the, the uh, I mean, I had so much fun writing that character. Um, and Diana just, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the, the proof is just in the pudding. I just think she's just so cool and iconic in her performance. And that was, and the, the rest of the, the rest of them came off of tape. Um, I'd written the role of Mark, the older brother, for James because I'd worked with him before on my last film, and he's one of my favorite actors. And then uh, Greg Hill. Uh, I'd written that role for him, the role of Vlad. I, he's been in every movie I've done all three of them since back going back when we were kids. Um, so yeah, it was like a mix of like getting a few of my bona fides to fill out some of the character roles and then just going off the tape for, for everyone else and just kind of hunting and gathering until you find, until you find the, the right people or somebody who's right in a way that maybe you didn't see. Uh, when it comes to the film as a whole, do you do you see this going more places? Like, do you see a, a follow-up film or trying to pitch this as a, potentially a series of any kind? Um, you know, I kind of told the story I wanted to tell. I definitely could do a sequel. Definitely, I want to pivot away from genre. It's not where I started. This mm-hmm. is something I wanted to try something I've never done. Light, 
which is funny because it's all this bloody vomit and dark stuff. But to me, it's like this is practically an Airbrothers episode, you know, and uh, compared to my other work. And I, I think that uh, yeah, I'm definitely down to do another one, but we just have to wait and see how this one even does and, and make sure it finds an audience. And but he came to me and was like, "Do you want to do another one?" And Nicole, I know she'd love to do it. And then yeah, of course I would do more, but I. I, you know, one, uh, I'd want to do it for a lot more, money. <laughs> and two, uh, it would it would have to be something I feel like people actually wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, the reception, like I said before, is, seems to be good, but it was mainly from genre sites that I was reading reviews on. But how has the audience reaction been that you've seen from other festivals? So far, the last two festivals, it's been a through-the-roof reaction, people having just a really good time, which is what you want on a genre film, which is what I wanted. I just want people to laugh and have a good time. This movie's not serious as a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely an attempt at, I hesitate to say can't because the characters aren't winking and nodding, but the, but there is a sort of, but I tempted, and I don't know if I made it, but it seems to be working for the audiences who've experienced it so far. Uh, if you had to, if you had to pitch this to say like the Midwest, you know those kind of, those kind of people, would you would you would you try to pitch it to them or or? Um, you know what? Yeah, I'd I'd be like, you know, when did the Midwest forget how to fucking rock? You know, like like remember when you were all a bunch of yeehaws and yahoos? Get like get on get get with the program. It'll be cool again. Watch something weird. Where's your will to get weird? Isn't the Midwest where Iggy pops from? What are you all doing? It's, it seems like a lot has changed over the past, like, 15 years. Like, even the town that I grew up in, I don't recognize anymore. It used to be really about everything, there's, about there's everybody. There's one that <laughs> blows my damn mind. Since when did Hicks start loving cops? That's not the world <laughs> I grew up in. That just blows my mind. There's a whole genre, there's a whole slew of movies that the entire genre is is hits outsmarting the law because screw the man. Yeah, from Dukes and Smokey and the Bandit. Yes, exactly. White Lightning, all that stuff. All those are like some of my favorite movies. More, more so, definitely in my in my milieu of, of the type of things I like to watch and consume. What happened there? What's going on? Like, there's nothing more uncool than a cop. I think it was. Uh, I think it was a lot of them got very. Uh, I wouldn't say sedated, maybe complacent in front of their TV watching Cops and Live PD, and that became that became their form of entertainment. So they kind of started identifying what they were watching. Because <laughs> I come because I come from sort of like a, a a breed of Oregon hick, and and I I was I was definitely not cops were a fun part of life, and we certainly didn't trust or love them, you know. <laughs> it, it's it's certainly weird not how... blindly. It's it's definitely interesting to see how the landscape of film and the consumers of film have have evolved so much. Like even my dad back in the '90s when I was in my teens, he hated like Beavis and Butthead. And then one day in my early 30s, I came to his house and he's there watching the Beavis and Butthead movie, just having a laugh. I'm like, what? What the fuck? Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> my dad did the same thing with Eminem. He hated Eminem. And my dad's like a rocker, you know, Black Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. And 
And and then I get to be, I was like in my mid-20s and I come home and he's just bumping Eminem in his truck. And I'm like, what happened to you? Like, it's bizarre. I, I, I'm actually very proud of my father in that way. He's, he, every, every, every year he becomes like less shackled to some idea of what, because my dad's a very stoic man, mm-hmm. man's man kind of dude. And he just becomes less shackled to what that's supposed to mean with every decade. And I, you know, it's kind of cool. It's, I'm very proud of him in that regard. It, it, at some point you just have to think, is it really worth being so strict on yourself that you can't have fun? Right. I mean, don't we all love, I mean, like, especially my dad coming up, like, like if certain things make him spoil, it's like you, you bought all those Bowie records. Like you were, you know, <laughs> you kind of grew up with, those people were cool. When did you stop being cool? That's, that's what I said in the Midwest. Like, like get cool, man. Like, you, you know, it's just it's life's too life's too short not to be fabulous and cool. You know. <laughs> uh, speaking of trying of getting a, a wide audience to to watch Bit, uh, are there plans for it to be released on DVD or Blu-ray or video on demand? Uh, that's a question for the producers. I hope uh, we're. I think we're. We're looking at distribution models right now, and obviously the mm-hmm. fence will play into that. Um, but right now, it's 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 not it's not something that I know what exactly it's going to do yet. I couldn't I couldn't answer that safely. Gotcha. Uh, what what fest is it going to play after Outfest? Well, we've got a really exciting one, uh, Popcorn Fright in Fort Lauderdale, which I was there last year with my film Boogeyman Pop with Blumhouse, and that fest is just the best. I mean. They're the hosts with the most. They're just so great, man. They just, they really, really make a special genre event. And I've been to a lot of festivals with, with, with now with Boogeyman and, and now with Bit. And I got to say, that one was the most fun. And the audience and the, and the film has the best time. Like, they really are all about your movie. There's a feeling in some festivals, and they're all doing the best they can, and they're all fun there's a feeling of like it's a conveyor belt and you've got a bunch of volunteers and everybody's trying to like get you in, get your, your, get the thing, get the movie, have a good time. But like, and then they got to move on. Whereas uh, popcorn, there's really a feeling of like when your film comes to town, your town, this town shuts down and we're we're just really going to make it about the filmmaker and the audience and, and put all of our resources into that. So it's everyone's night. I, I, I really love Popcorn Fright. That'll be there um, on August 16th. We're closing the fest with Bit. And then there's a few others, but off the top of my head, I can't remember because I think the the three we hit, the major ones, were, uh, were will be done after Outfest, I believe, unless we end up going to, like, one of the bigger genre fests in the fall or, or depending on distribution and all that. A lot of variables. But right now, the only one that I have my eyes on is Fort Lauderdale. Are tickets still available for Outfest? Uh, not – they're standby only for Friday. Um, and then there's actually such high demand that they, they're doing an encore screening on Saturday. So tickets are available for a Saturday screening at Outfest uh, still uh, at, their, at their website. But uh, standby only for, for, for the Friday night screening. 